0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Go, if you will, to our foundational scripture in Isaiah 62. And we want to go there and we're going to... Flow in those things. We're gonna flow in the 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 area that God has called us to. I wanna to... Reiterate some things. God said, now go back and make sure that they're solid in it. I know some of you go back and listen to the the, uh, the the live stream, and you listen to it over. And it's very important that you do that. Just don't stream and run off. You have to go back and listen because you will find out you miss a lot of things when you go back and just listen to it. You ought to go back and listen to every message before the next message. So on Saturday nights, you should already stream. What was last Sunday's message so you could be ready? On Tuesday night, you ought to stream last Wednesday's message so you can be ready to to, uh, attach that knowledge onto what's given you. Because remember, you don't want gaps in your knowledge. And so that way you can say, oh yes... I can go over my notes. I can look at it. And then when we begin to minister the Word, you can attach it to what you have been learning. And that's the way you grow. That's the way you develop. And you can do that. You can just get yourself. You have to get yourself in a habit of doing it. See, it's a, it's, it's a habit thing. I'm finding out a lot of things about habits and the things, the habits that need to be broken and habits that you need to start. Some habits are good habits and you need to make them a a, a practical part of your life. It's something I do all the time. And when it comes to God's Word, and see, we want to do that with natural things, yes. Sir, but we ought to first do that with spiritual things. Do that, make it a consistent Persistent thing that I do, like I, every Saturday night, I get my time where I'm going to listen to what I what I what was streamed, so I can be prepared. See, that's called preparation. It's not just jumping up and saying, "Oh, I don't remember. I'm saying that last night. Well, if you would have went back over the stream, you might or have heard it. So, because you can't keep everything up here. You can't. You have to have it written down. You have to You have to look at it. You have to see it so you'll be able to run with it. Amen. So if you're in Isaiah 62, I want to remind us that we are being prepared by God for His next move. We are being restored by the Master's hands. And we are putting ourselves in position to let Him put His hands on us. God is not going to run after you to put His hands on you. You need to stand still. And Let him put his hands on you. And, and this morning it may be a little different, but I'm going to give you a lot of my experiences over these last few months. To me it's just a few months, but September 1st will be two years since the transitioning of our pastor, but to me it's like yesterday you know in grief or do you like that but but you know what Jesus carried my the griefs and sorrows but nevertheless it's still there just like he's defeated the enemy and we know he's defeated but he's still there amen church it's time for us to prepare so so I think we're on our seventh or eighth lesson. I'm not sure which, what, which one that we're on. I know Sister John is probably saying it in, at home, but I can't see you, Sister John. So, But uh, we're on one of those lessons, and God is teaching us in this series that it is time to prepare. And in this book of Isaiah, he's preaching through the prophet Isaiah and he's preaching, letting them know that they need to be restored and that he's going to restore. See, let's grab a hold of not all of just what's being said, but the bottom line, put in the forefront of your mind that everything that's being said is for my restoration. Whether you like it or not like it, whether, whatever you're hearing on Wednesday, whatever you're hearing on mo- Sunday morning, remember it. The bottom line is God is trying to restore you in every area of your life. Amen. So He's He uh, He was letting. Um, Isaiah was letting them know that even though Jerusalem was not in the place where he desired them to be, even though they got way off, God was letting them know through Isaiah that he was going to restore the city as well as the nation. And so God is telling us today. I want you to know. If you have got outside of my will. You have went below my standard. You've done a lot of different things. But I want you to know. That I'm here to restore. So you don't have to be feel like, oh, I'm never going to get back where I need to be and i never go Don't worry about those things. Restoration will get you where you, I'm telling you, it's nothing as beautiful as restoration. When people restore old buildings, they seem like they stand even higher. They might do them the same way and put the, and all of a sudden they just put a little extra on it. Well, restoration is the same way. Let me tell you, when God gets through restoring you, your stature will be straight. Your posture will be good. Your standard will be straight. Everything Thing will be right because when God restored is truly restored amen God was letting them know that he was faithful to restore in Isaiah 62 I'm going to uh, read just verse 10 because here he laid out a process of restoration in 62 and 10 he says go through go through the gates prepare ye the way of the people cast up cast up the highway gather out the stones Lift up a standard for the people. Now, church, God wants us to prepare a way for people. Now, he's asking us to do that. We're his representatives in the earth. We are the ones. We have the way. And God said, I want you to cast up a highway. I want you to make a way for the people. We have to go through the gates. We have to get outside of these four walls. We got to get outside of the four walls of our computer. We got to get outside of streaming. We got to get outside of all of those things. And we have to do what God has called us to be and do. But not only do we have to call, cast up a highway that, that is we have to put things in place as well. We have to set a standard. We got to put things in place for, for restoration for the people God loves. God loves the people that we despise. And God said, I need a, I, I need a place where they can go because there are people who are lost, hurting, without hope, confused, There are people that are incarcerated and God wants us to make a way and to cast up a highway. Then we have to remove the stones. We learned that. We have to remove the stumbling blocks in our own lives. So that we will not in our own lives set a stumbling block for people so they cannot come. They cannot come to the church. They cannot come to God because of the stumbling blocks in our own life. God said, I want those removed. Removed out of our hearts. Removed out of our church. Removed out of our lives. Why? Because people need to come and hear. And so they're going to come and hear through looking at our lives. So God said, remove anything that's going to be a stumbling block for them. I don't, you know what? I don't care if it's not sin. If it's a stumbling block for somebody, what does it matter to you to give it up and let it go? So that they can see the kingdom. Well, they, you know, they need to just get it right. I am, I'm not giving that up. They need to know God for themselves. But you're representative of God. If God said, I want you, that,", what does that if for you to stop that, what does it hurt you? It's nothing. Say, so you know what, if that's going to bother them, you know what, I can, I can yield to that. See, we're talking about being restored ourselves so that we can be used by God. You always say you want to be used, but see, you're not going to be used by God the way you want to be used. You're going to be used by God the way He wants to use you. And if He wants to use you and He tells you to move some things out, you've got to move them out. So we want to m- remove all of them stumbling blocks. Then we said we have to lift up a standard for the people. That is, we have to be what God desires uh, others to become. We have to be what we want others to become. We want people to be holy, then you be holy. We want people to be right, then you be right. We want people to be honest, then you be honest. See, you started. You need to be what you want others to be. Oh, I wish my family, I wish this member did this, that, that. You just be that in their sight. Amen. God is not calling us to look to an example. God is calling us to be an example. God says, stop looking for an example. I'm calling you to be an example. And all, and, and a lot of Christians, that's all they do. They're looking for examples. And God said, but I'm calling you to be an example. In this dispensation, in this time, I need you to be an example. God is calling us to have the spotlight. God is putting the spotlight on us. So now I have to make sure that I'm where I need to be and doing what I need to do and acting the way I'm supposed to act. Because God said, I'm about to put a spotlight on you. When a spotlight is on you, it's going to show up beyond what other people, what other people, they might not can see. But you, they're going to see. God is going to put the spotlight. God wants to show his glory through us, so a spotlight has to be there. God wants us to be so that, we listen, that when we go through the day-to-day situations and we, and, and, and God can say, you know what? I'm going to bring somebody lost into your life. They're going to cross your path. And I want to be able to look at you and look at them and I want to be able to tell them, look at them and you'll see me. See, that's the spotlight on you. God said, I'm going to bring people and I'm going to tell them to look at you where they just need to be watching God. God said, no, I'm going to tell them to look at you so that they can see me. See, this is why we have to be right. God said, I'm going to bring the lost to look at you to see me, to see who I am. We have learned some things. We've learned that. Before God's next move, there's always a time of preparation. We've learned that we must love, love, love the time of preparation. we got to stop being focused on what we think is going to happen. We have to, you know, and what, that you all we need to focus on is that knowing that something else is coming. What's happening right now? Just know something else is coming. Something else is always coming. We have to learn, we have learned that God is gracious and that He's a loving God and He gives us a time to prepare ourselves. We are in a window of time of preparation. And believe me, it's only a window of time. Know that. So you not, you can't do it on your own time. It's just a window of time of preparation. We got to have a, So because we know that it's a window of time, we should have an urgency. Say, you know what, this, this window's going to close. So, I need to get all I need. I need to love preparation. I need to get all I can get in this time of preparation. I have uh, urgency about it. You know, one of the things that I've loved about time, and I've learned about time, and I'm learning about time, is this thing time is interesting. It is the commodity of God. But listen, that He gives you. So, it's important that you use it wisely. But listen to me time is interesting. It starts off as your friend, but it can end up your enemy. I said time can start off your friend, and it'll end up your enemy. The same time that works for you after a while, it'll start working against you. Ooh, somebody should have wrote that down. I said the same time that's working for you for a while, it'll start working against you. And that's why you have to have an urgency about preparation. Because time is not always on your side. Time starts out on your side, but after a while it goes to the opposition side. Always. It's just like the shot clock. You get 24 seconds left where you have that time. And it's what you do in that 24 seconds. Because guess what? Another 24 seconds is going to go to the opposition side. And it's what you did with your 24 seconds is what's going to happen when the opposition get theirs. Because it starts out on your side. But it'll change up. In on the opposition side. Preparations requires participation. You cannot be prepared unless you get involved in the work. I don't care how much you think you are. Unless you are involved in the work, you cannot be prepared. Well, why, what would God be preparing you for if you are not in the works? Think on it. We learn that we have to be prepare, prepare ourselves so that we can prepare others. There's no way that you can prepare someone else when you're not prepared. you got to first be prepared. And I think the most important thing is this, is that we are in an unrighteous place. When we don't prepare now that's one that's one statement that you ought to hold on to when I don't prepare, I am in an unrighteous place. I don't care how many times you come to church, but it, it, I'm telling you you're in an unrighteous place now see that that's enough to make you start thinking I need to be in a righteous place, so why I need to prepare? We're not, you know, it's not just you just get, I just need to get right with God. When he gives us time to prepare, unless we choose not to be prepared, you're going to be in an in, in a unrighteous place. God said, I'm giving you a time to get in the righteous place. You're in an unrighteous place. I know you love me, but you're in an unrighteous place. So what do I need to do, God? You need to get prepared. So that that will place you in a righteous place. Amen. Our intent of this was to make the church, church ready. And in this dispensation of pre, uh, preparation, everybody has to be prepared. And everybody has to do their part. Everybody. Every individual has to be prepared. And every individual have a part to do. Whether you know it or not. The reason why you don't know your part is because you're not prepared. If you're prepared, you know your part. If you're not prepared, you don't even know when God wants to pro- promote you because you haven't been a part of the work. Listen. The purpose is to focus our attention on the work. We need to focus on wall building. We need to focus on what God has called us to. We need to focus on the messages that God has given us so that we can properly operate on everything that God is telling us to operate in. You cannot do that unprepared. You just cannot. And remember, the preparation is preparing a way for God's people. People that are hurting, that are in trouble, we are preparing the way. We said that we have to bridge the disconnection between God and the promises and His people. There has been a big disconnection and God said, I want to use you to connect that back. Because why? There's a disconnection between me and my promises. Because first of all, people have been taught wrong. Not only taught wrong people just don't know, they don't even know the promises of God. They hear something someone else said and they just say it and they act like that's the promises of God, that's what I'm gonna get. You know, that it doesn't work that way. So it's a disconnection. People who desperately need to know the promises of God. And there are those in this church. We know the promises of God and God wants to use that to benefit the kingdom. We have the promises. And God is trying to work on us and work some things out in us and through us and in our hearts to change us so that he can he can position us to bridge the connection. Between him and his people. He said, I know you don't feel like you're important enough that God would use you like that. But yes, he wants to use you just like that. Our goal is to establish the will of God. We must establish the will of God. I want every, every member in this church. Did you hear me? I want every member in this church to establish the will of God in their lives. Establish it that is build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ every part of your life build it on the foundation let the foundation if the foundation is on Jesus Christ it's going to last not if your foundation is on because you go to this church not if your foundation is on is because you say you're a Christian everybody these days say they're a Christian everybody the devil says he's a christian everybody used the name christian so if you can't build your i'm not telling you to build your life that i'm saying building your life on jesus christ that will establish you forever i want every member and i want every member to establish their families on jesus christ and if you establish if you establish your family and on the foundation of Jesus Christ, then you become a foundation You know, you need to establish just yourself. Start there, because if you establish yourself on the foundation of Jesus Christ, your whole family will follow that. They will follow that. They can they can establish their lives on what you're doing. They're like, you know what? I I'm, I got to establish my life on that. I don't care what kind of mistake they've made and what they've done. They will establish that but you got establishment means that it has to be stability it has to be Persistent. It has to be the same. It can't be just and all over the place. You can't be in and out of Christ. Nobody's going to follow that. That's why for some of you, people will not hear you when you talk about the things of God because you've been all over the place, not established. And they watch you go to church. They watch you pray. They watch you do all of that. But you have never—they've never seen you established. Very important. Because you, you want your family to be established. And uh, make sure we establish. Then we have to make sure that we establish this church. Did you hear me? We have to make sure that we establish this church. This church was founded by our founding pastor. And 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 he laid a tremendous and firm foundation. We have a foundation. We have a sure foundation. He built us up on the doctrine of the apostles. We have a firm foundation. He dug deep and he planted well over all these years. He dug deep and he laid the foundation. But we are not yet established. Listen to me closely. We're not in a place of permanence. And I'm not talking about a building. Hold on. Because a building is nothing... Because I don't care how big your building if You don't have a permanence in your heart. If you don't have a permanency with God, a building is not going to make any difference. It'll look good to the world. And it might even look good to the Christian community. But the permanence is not in a building. But we have not, as a church, we have had a foundation, but the establishment, we have not. Again... We do not have a place of permanence. We have not gotten to a place where, now this is what I mean by permanence, where there's no situation, no circumstance, no adversity, no time present or times to come that can stop God, where God has started in this place. Nothing, listen to me again, this is what I mean by establishing permanence. We have to be in a place where there's no situation, circumstance, adversity, no time present, no time to come that will stop what God has started in this place. We want to make sure and ensure that this church have a generational success and God wants it with us. Because how many of you know, listen, generation change But success can be passed on. Ooh, write that down. Generations change, but success can be passed on. So in our earlier lessons, we learned that if we, that we have to be ready in advance. We have to be ready and waiting, not waiting to get ready. We have to be ready and waiting, not waiting to get ready. Some of you have wondered, when Pastor first transitioned, and after I, I came out of mourning, and I got up here, some of you was wondering, how does she, how can she get up there like that? How can she get up after uh, that, you know? And everybody was watching. Oh, my God, I know that's hard for her. Oh, you know, how can she do it? Well, it's in the assignment. Did you hear me? It's in the assignment. See, I take the assignment seriously. I take the assignment seriously because I because I understand some things and I understood some things. It didn't make it any easier in the sense of my sorrow or my grief, but I take the, took the assignment seriously. Listen, to, I'm going to give it all to you in a nice package so you can understand even better. So... Since the transition of our pastor, now I prepare myself for what is coming. And then I just wait. I have, I'm now preparing myself for what is coming. I'm preparing myself for what is coming. And then I just wait. For whenever that time comes, I have to be ready. what you don't know is I have been preparing for my husband to go home for years sometimes we would pull aside and talk about it talk about each other going home me you know him talking about him me talking about myself just talking about those things but I always knew one day September 1 was coming Well, he told us that. (laughs) He said, if you're married, somebody's going to bury somebody. Either the wife's going to bury the husband or the husband's going to bury the wife. It's going to come. So September 1 was going to come. Now, I couldn't wait to get ready. I had to get ready and wait. Wait. I want you to soak this in. Because God said it's very important that they know that because some, some people are going to go through some things and this will help you. So when that day came, everything, yes, I was hurt. I didn't want to talk with anyone. I want, Of course, all of that, the emotional, humanity department was there. But when that day came, Everything that was in me had to be brought up to power. The power that was in me, I had to bring it up. I had to go through the files of my soul and bring the file up because it was in me. Sorrow and grief won't let you bring up the file. it wasn't until after my morning time that I was able to get up and bring up the fire because it was in me because he taught me listen there are some things in your life that some of you know are coming And and whatever it is I'm I'm, I'm just giving you my experience because I don't want to give anybody else's experience because I don't know theirs. I'm just giving you mine hoping it'll be a blessing to your life. But know this. Some of you know that something is coming. But you won't prepare. You won't prepare. Then when when it comes, what's going to happen? You're going to have drama, regret, instead of peace, in God's glory. You're going to have drama and you're going to have regret instead of peace in God's glory. At some point you have to get ready in advance. You can't start retirement at 70. The way you get ready is that you take the warnings of God seriously. You take the warnings of God seriously. And when you see the warnings of God, then you have to move with fear. Move with an urgency. Because why? I took it seriously. See, some of you haven't taken yet, get out of debt and say, seriously. Some of you haven't taken that seriously. Some of you don't take it seriously. God said, you can't be prepared if you're not in part of the work. You're not taking it seriously, and many other things that God has told you in every message, different instructions that He's given you. You're not taking it seriously. Hmm. God will show you some things around you, and He'll minister some things to your heart. God will speak to you if you allow Him to. Got to be serious. But when he does, you have to take the warning seriously. Stop looking at the package. As long as you look at me, as long as you look at any of the ministers, you are not going to take the warnings of God seriously. Hmm. You have to have some reverence and respect for the power of God. You have to finish the assignment. Why? Because as I said before, a half boat won't float. So you have to finish the assignment. Then we learn that you also need to be ready to be used. Because you cannot be used, again, if you're not prepared. That means your heart has to be prepared. Your mind has to be prepared. Your life has to be prepared. You have to, you have to work on your thoughts. Work on your thoughts. Work on your attitude. Some of you really need to work on your attitudes. You have to develop some endurance down on the inside. See, that, it, it takes endurance... You gotta work on it down on the inside. Listen, you cannot be an endurance runner if you never ran a step. You cannot. Did you hear me? You cannot be an endurance runner if you never ran a step. You can't be an endurance runner because you bought a treadmill. Listen to me. You can't become endurance runner because you just look at a track. See, we, just th- we think we got it because... Uh, no! If you're going to be uh, able to endure some things, you have to work on your mindset. You've got to work on your mentality. You have to allow yourself to develop down on the inside. That doesn't happen at the end. That happens at the beginning. Endurance run. They're not waiting for it. Everything has to happen at the beginning for them to run the endurance of that race. It don't happen at the end. The race is over. It has to be in the beginning. I need you to hear me with this church. Now that I have your undivided attention, and I believe I do, because I want you to know this. You are in a good church where God speaks to you. And His messages and His words are preemptive. And not, pre- not preemptive just for me, but they're preemptive for you. And if you're streaming, whether you're streaming later, whether you're streaming now, and you don't have a church, this is a good church. This is a good church that's going to teach you. And God is trying to tell us some things that we have to get our hearts right. We got to get our minds right. We got to get our life right. How many times does He have to tell us that? He has to, why does He have to keep reminding us? You just have to get it done. And in the last session I taught, I taught you how to deal, to prepare yourself for adversity you got to be ready for adversities in advance. Because we don't know how, when, or where that they are coming. But we must be prepared because they are coming. In this life, adversities shall come. They shall come. And if you're not prepared, you're going to hinder the work of God in your life and in this ministry. If you're not prepared, in your life and in this ministry, if you're not prepared, you're going to hinder the plan of God. See, no matter how what you thought, listen, listen to this closely. No matter what you thought about September 1, that day was coming. No matter what you thought about it, that day was coming. That day was an unstoppable event. Oh, if I would have been there. Oh, if I would have been. It was an unstoppable event. Hmm. Listen. And if I was not prepared, guess what? Today, what I'm doing here, it would have been hindered. I wouldn't have been able to be up here if I wasn't prepared. It would have been hindered. And there are some unstoppable days in your life. And if you're not prepared, when God wants to use you in that, listen, pre-planned day that's already on the calendar. Because it's already there. It's unstoppable. And if you're not ready on an already pre-planned day, it's pre-planned by God. It's on the calendar. His plan is going to be hindered in your life. And if you belong to this church, it's going to hinder this church. Because adversities challenge what's on the inside. Adversities are going to always challenge I have said it in time past and I said it again. I said it in another way, but it's the same thing. Adversities will challenge what's on the inside. I said it this way. You never know what a person really is until pressure's on. Then the real them will come out. All you got to do is sit and wait on it. I've seen it. Time and time again. You don't know a quality of a lemon until you squeeze it. I'm going to tell you that now. So I don't care what they show you. Squeeze it. Just squeeze it. You'll see. Adversity is going to always challenge what's on the inside. So to be ready to deal with adversity, we must learn. The only way to deal with adversity, we've learned it, is we have to learn from adversity. The only way you're going to be able to deal with adversity is you've got to learn from adversity. These statements are not being modified. These are things that we have learned over these weeks. You need to establish this in yourself. It's for a reason. It's for this season. When, it, when, the, when the things come in your life that change, you can go back and get this. You're going to need it. But they tell them they're going to need it. You have to stop running from tough times. You got to stop being afraid to face difficult things. they are adversities. You got to stop being intimidated by tough challenges. Oh, I'm just, no, I'm just done with it. The only way to be ready for adversity... You have to learn from adversity. So deal with the challenge. Deal with whatever the the, the situation is. Just deal with it. And learn from it. Because another one's coming. And every time you hide from one adversity, you're not equipped for the next. Ooh, did you hear that? Every time you run from an adversity and dodge an adversity, you will not be equipped For the next adversity. Listen to me closely. As big as a moment. That you feel. Like pastor's death was for me. And it was listen. There's going to be bigger adversities in my life. Now. Granted. This is the biggest one to date. But it's not going to be the biggest adversity in my life. But it is to date. But it won't be the biggest. But I've learned from this previous one. You have to learn from the previous ones. You have to be ready for this one. And yes, the biggest again, yes, this is the biggest one to date, but I have to learn something. Because God said, that is not going to be the biggest adversity of your life. Mm. Because see, in my mind, it's no way. I think to myself, no way anything else could hurt me as much as that. Until God said, oh no, you're going to have bigger adversity than that. It's just the biggest one today. There are still others coming. And even while, see, I, I'm, I'm over the state of mourning, but at grieving, I'm still there. See, you don't know me. So, while I'm grieving, even while I'm encouraging you, even while I'm teaching, in the back of my mind, I'm learning some things. See, in the back of my mind, I'm learning some things. Why? Because I realize there's another day in front of me. See, I have to realize that. You have to realize, if you don't realize that, you won't get it. I realize it's another day in front of me. Learn. And God needs me to learn. Learn. He needs me to learn something today so that I can get through the next day and I'll be alright. And God is telling you the same thing. I need you to learn from this teaching so that the next day it'll be alright. So Turner, you learn from this teaching and the next day you'll be alright. You gotta learn. Take this time to learn it and grab it. Now, now all of this is just revealed. These are, that's why I said you have to go back and listen. All of these are things we have taught and we have talked about over the weeks. God has already taught us. We learned that we have to trust our relationship with God. I told you that there is a difference in saying I trust God and trusting in the relationship. Totally different. See, a lot of times when people say, I trust God, what they're really saying is, I trust him that I think what's going to happen is what I want to happen. and He's going to make what I want to happen happen, so I trust God. Because it's what I want to happen. That's what they mean by I trust God. Did you hear me? You only say you're trusting him because you think he's going to do something that you want him to do. But when you trust in the relationship, it doesn't matter any way the way things go. If it don't go the way that you want it to, it doesn't matter. Why? Because I understand he's placed me on a path. He's placed placed me on a path. And if I stay on that path, I'm going to be alright no matter what way it comes out. So I'm not saying I'm trusting him just to do what I ask him to do or what I think that he should do. I'm trusting him if it goes all left. Why? Because God, I'm yours and you place me on a path. And I know if I just stay on the path no matter what, I'm gonna be alright. I understand that he has some promises. And as long as I stay on the path, guess what? I'm gonna run right into the promises. But i got to stay on the path. I can't move off the path. You're not going to run into the promises off the path He placed you on. The promises are on that path. That's why He put you there. Once you get off, See, once you start doing your own thing, he's not working fast enough. It didn't happen there, I want to. I'ma do it myself. I'ma put my hands on it. I'ma try to get them saved. I'ma try to do this. I'ma try to manipulate them into that. All of that is off the path. And you're not gonna run into the promises there. The promises are on the path. I understand he is my provider. As long as I stay on the path. He's going to provide for me. You know, we like to holler Jehovah Jireh and he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. But I got to stop making my own grocery list. Stop it. And making your own grocery list that he didn't say. Let me tell you what God didn't say. He did not say, I'm Jehovah Jireh, buy you, get you, and everything you want, or even everything I want. He said, I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm going to give you what you need. At the time you need it for what you need it in. What you're going through, I'm going to give you what you need. Not what you want. Not what you would tell. And that's all we do is tell God what we want Him to do. I don't care what you want to do God I, this is what you so this is what I decided to do and thank you Jesus thank you Father I know you're going to be in it God no I'm not going to be in any of that see we never let him he's like I placed you on the path don't get off of it don't come to me and see we try to come and, and use uh, uh, spiritual words he is my Jehovah Jireh and Father I thank you That you said in your word, God said, are you on the path? See, you can't make his promises yours and you off the path. You can quote them and many have. But actualizing in your life, you see it doesn't come to pass. I'm telling you, stop making your own grocery list. He's not going to give you what you want. He's going to give you what you need. If you trust the relationship. If you believe that He has your best interest at heart. I always, no matter what, even in my hurt and my pain, I know that God has my best interest at heart. Always. Even through the hurt and pain. Most people want to blame God. I don't blame God. Through the hurt and pain, I trust the relationship. That 's the problem. we try to trust the results instead of the relationship whatever whatever comes out of it that 's what you trust in. oh where do it work like this, oh, wait this this way, oh no no, you got to trust the relationship, not the results. don't try to put your trust in something. it won 't work don't put your trust in the list of stuff you want. it won 't work. Just simply trust in the relationship. God, I trust it. Why? Because God has his own list. You don't have to give him a list. He has his own list. And he knows what you need. And then I taught you, and we've learned to encourage ourselves. To encourage ourselves. And again, people are nice. People are really nice, but at some point you just have to get up. At some point you have to get When pastor transitioned, let me tell you, it was nice having my children around. It was nice having my grandchildren around. It was nice that my family was calling and talking to me and wanting to hear from me. It was nice people at church who did nice things for us. All of that was nice. But when all of it was said and done, and when all of their lights got, you know, cut off at night and they go to bed, and when I'm alone by myself, that's when I had to get up. When there's no phone calls, no children talking to you, no grandchildren talking to you, no loved ones talking to you, no no nobody talking at all, and it's quiet, I had to get up. I couldn't wake anybody up and say, sit with me here and make me feel better. Listen, you got to learn this church. You better learn this church. Some of you right now, you're not healing in different areas because you haven't learned how to encourage yourself. You haven't learned that. You still want to go in chat rooms and you want a text group and you want a prayer circle and all that's fine and well, but sometimes you need to let the circle go, let the chat go, let all of that go. Let it go. You need to tell them, you know what, y'all keep praying for me. I'm going to bow out the chat room. I'm going to bow out of this right now. I'm going to, you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to back off of the prayer group. Because let me tell you something about a prayer group sometimes. I'm not talking about, let me, let me balance it out. I'm not talking about intercession. That's totally different. But sometimes a prayer group, listen, sometimes people can pray you into depression. Oh yeah, they can. They can pray you into hurt, sorrow. they praying and you just crying and crying just deep down in it. They can pray you into not doing nothing. Just, oh, that was good. Sometimes you need to just say, stop. You keep, y'all keep doing what you're doing. It's a great thing. But I'm bow out. Because I need to go and get up. And you all keep praying. But you don't have to listen to the prayers. Let them pray. You don't have to be in there. You, you know, you have to, you have to hop out of the circle and you have to say, thank you that you got my best interest on. Now I'm gonna go and get up. Get up. I have to get up. You have to get up. You gotta get up. That's trusting in the relationship. Then you have to learn how to be steadfast. We, we learned that you cannot compromise. See, I can't go in a hospital room and say something different to the doctor that I tell you to say to the doctor. See, no compromise. I can't tell you to trust in the relationship with the Lord, and I don't. When pastor transitioned, I couldn't say to you, okay, now that was our founding pastor, you know, I need to make a different request. You need to give a different, I need to give different instructions. No! I gotta stay with what God is saying. It's still, I can't compromise for nothing and no one. Hmm. You have to learn to be bold. And then you have to learn what boldness is. Boldness is not always what you think it is. Boldness is not being loud. And it's certainly not being nasty. Or Boldness is not being up front. Sometimes there's a quiet boldness. And let me tell you who is an example in this church that have a quiet boldness that you need to you need to you need to step you need to step lightning toward. And that's sister Melissa Burris. She got a quiet boldness. Even my sister, when we was in North, New York, we was all in New York together, and my sister said, she, she's so quiet, and, but I say she got a quiet boldness about her. She's just she's she's, she's just quiet, but she speaks when it's when it's time and it's on point. And I've watched it over the years, and I've seen it. A quiet boldness. Sometimes that's what you need. A quiet boldness. And God dropped that in my spirit. And I studied Sister Burris. That's a quiet boldness. And let me tell you, and she slipped and let me tell you, and many people slip right by that boldness because they don't get it. Quiet boldness. But we'll speak with her on the word. You'll see the boldness. On point. You need you know, sometimes it's a discretion and just pulling somebody aside and say what God said. You don't have to blurt it out. Pull them aside. And just say what God said. Then you have to learn to let your work speak. Let your work speak. And I told you that's what i purpose to do. Let your work speak. Listen to me. And please write this down. Sometimes you talk too much and live too little. Sometimes you talk too much and live too little. Sometimes you just have to let your work speak. Just be quiet. Sometimes you need to listen to yourself. And if you're going on and on and on and on and on, say, say to yourself, I talk too much. So evidently I'm little, living too little. Don't make it be, and don't let it be said, that people don't want to talk to you because you talk too much. And live too little. You know even as I drove here at pastor's funeral and even I didn't go to the wake but my sons were there and they were taking care of everything listen to me closely his works came in two by two people kept coming people kept coming people kept coming and my son said mom people just you know they just kept coming just coming and then one of our, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, he told my sons, he said, your father was a great man. I see all these people, they just keep coming, they keep coming, they coming. But that's his work speaking. Because he couldn't speak, but his work spoke. See, sometimes you just need to let your work speak. You don't need to talk. And then they looked at my sons and they saw whatever they were doing there at the wake and everything, and they say he's a great man. And you know what? And I, you know what? I, the reason why I can know that is that I can see it in you all. That's his work speaks. See, a lot of times it's not about running your mouth. See, he didn't have no words at that time. He had works. When people came, he had works. And see, that's what we want, church. We want people to see who we are based on what they have seen. And not so much based on what we've seen. See, they need to see something in you, your works, not just you talking about what you're doing. You know, it's, it's very, very seldom I tell people a lot of things that I do. Or want to do, or have done, or doing. Because it's not necessary. Some things you'll never know. You probably won't know until you get to heaven. Because I don't need people to know. I don't need the kudos. Some people need kudos. Some people need you to acknowledge that they did. I don't need that. Because if I'm pleasing God, I'm good. I learned that from my pastor as well. I'm good. Listen. If you don't get yourself situated so that your works will be seen, you're going to be in trouble. Now go with me to Joshua chapter 1. Now I'm not going to finish this this morning but I'm going to get as far as I can, and we're going to, we'll go into some of it next week. But let, let, me, let me lay something. And you can entitle this message if you want to, because I'm, 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 I'm about to start something else. How to be ready through advanced planning. How do I be get ready through advanced planning? And then write this statement down. We must have a plan to be ready for the next move of God. We must have a plan to be ready for the next move of God. And as a church, God has given me a plan to prepare this church for his next move. Did you hear me? You need a plan for God's next move. And God has given me a plan for his next move and God has given us things we need to do to get ready and these are the things he told us we need to do he said first you need to restore generation then he said you need to establish the church and then he wants us to leave resources in place that we can have generational success so those three things Restore a generation, establish a church, and have generational success. Those three things. And he said, and I need to have resources in place for that. Listen, if years ago, if we had not been taught how to prepare for death. Remember, Pastor did a whole series on preparation for death. Over six, seven years ago, he did a whole series on that. If we had not been prepared for death, we would not have... Let me tell you, we would not have had the people to get up in that moment and usher us into worship on that day. Because everybody would have been in trouble. But we were taught well. We were taught well. Listen... God had Pastor labor on that message. He laid it out. It was for me and it was for all of us. See, every time that God gives something, if we don't think it don't happen in the next month or two, we forget it. But God gave it to you. He'll give it to you seven years in advance. And it showed who had it in them who didn't it's still showing today now listen I'm going to tell you this if it was for me the message that he taught remember you're going to stand again see I remember everything about it but listen to me now selfishness will cause you to end up with nothing if you're selfish, you, you, don't, you can't end up with that. Selfishness will always cause you to end up with nothing. But laying down your life for others gives God a great opportunity to bring you what you need. Church, often we, you, we, can, we can see the issues and the works, but we lack a plan. See, we lack a plan. I said, God will always give an opportunity to bring you what you need. Now, we can see the issue. You know what? We can see the issues in people, in our families. We can see the issues of the church. We can see the issues of everything. But you lack a plan. talking about planning in advance. Whether it's in our homes, lacking a plan. In our families, you can see the issues. There's not a person streaming or a person in this, in this building that's here now. Not a one person in here. If I spend five minutes with them, you can tell me the issues of your family's life. In five minutes. Some might take seven. Others it might take Ten. But I believe all of us might, maybe, can get it in up under an hour or so. But we can tell everybody of it. We can sit up and tell them who's who and what's what and why this is not happening, why that's not happening. We can do all of that. Tell them all. Tell us the good ones and the bad ones. We can tell who's a homosexual, who's gay, who's a lesbian, who's, who's uh, committing adultery, who's committing fornication, who don't have no money, who do have money. Who has a saving, who's begging. Who's always borrowing. We can tell all of that. And most of the time, people can even tell you, listen, what needs to happen to correct it. They can tell you who needs to get saved. Jojo needs to get saved. Uncle Bucky, if we just get him in, the whole family will come in. We, he's the key. whole family. Blue needs to get saved. Everybody got a blue somewhere in their family. I hope it's blues in heaven because there's a blue in every family. Blue needs to get saved. I tell you, blue is something else. Listen, but most of the time, they could tell you. They could tell you what what needs to be done. But when you ask people how they're going to do it, how you're going to get it there, that's when it goes quiet. They can't figure it out. That's when it goes quiet because they don't know how to get it there. Don't have a plan. Did you hear me? If I'm going to be ready in advance, I need an advanced plan. Don't you worry, I'm going to Joshua, just hold there. If you're going to be used, you need a plan. If you're going to be ready for the adversity, there has to be a plan. It requires planning. Yes, you know, it's somebody, I don't know if you're streaming or maybe you're going to get it later, but you've, you've been saying, it's a, it's a male, and you've been saying, you know what, I've made some mistakes in my life, I've made some wrong choices, i got children outside, out, outside of marriage, and, but now I want to be a part of my child's life, and, and what do I do because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get my life together. And I want, I want to, I want to do, I want to, I want, a, I want my child. I want custody of my child. I want to be the man that God's calling me to be. But I've made mistakes. Well, this is my advice to you: take your focus off the children. I know it don't sound good, but listen: take your focus off the children. You need a plan. Because there's nothing worse and more devastating when a judge ruling against an unprepared man is devastating. Get yourself prepared. Get a plan. Get in a ministry where you're taught and get yourself together. Get a pre-plan. Make it in advance. Then God ascend Children to a prepared father, but Jack's wanting to do it. you got to stop focusing on that. Focus on a plan. because see, within that plan God's to God is going to put all that in getting your life right. It goes in the plan. So take your mind off that. Of the children. Just get, put, put your mind on, I need to get myself together and I need a plan. God is going to find, I told you, God will bring needed children to a prepared man. A judge are here, a prepared man. Because if you focus on the issues and not the plan, when the child needs you, you won't be there. Now that's for you. Take it. Chew it. Swallow it. Do what you will. That's your answer. That's your answer. And we move forward. Listen. Where would this church be? Where would this church be if, that was without, if it was without advanced planning? Where would this church be today when pastor transitioned? Where would this church be when times matter like now? If that was no plan. I'm trying to teach you something. Listen. I want every parent to listen. I want every child to listen because this is... This is something you should know. I know it's so far away from your mind, but God is saying in this time, in this season, in this climate, in this nation, in this time, in this period, in this dispensation, you better get this. Listen. Every parent, no matter how young your child is, no matter how the day of death is coming, and they'll have to, they'll have to bury you, parents. No matter how young they are, Every child. If you have a mama and you have a daddy. Well, let me, let me do it for you. Bougie folks. If you have a mother and a father. Listen. The day of them dying will come. It will come. Preparation is essential. And there's got to be a plan. It's essential. That, let me tell you, the calendar day is already pre pre planned. Ah, it'll be a long time, but it doesn't matter how long or how short. It's unstoppable. But you need a plan, or you will fall apart. I have seen people, uh, a death in the family have ruined the whole family. They can't get it together. Some people are under psychiatry self. They can't go on. They don't know what to do. They don't know how. They never had a plan. Listen, without a plan, you can't be ready for the next move of God. You're caught up. It takes advanced planning. To establish the will of God. To access the promises of God. Now listen to this statement. I want you to hear it very clearly. When you can't move, you must prepare. Ooh. When you can't move, you must prepare. Ooh. Sometimes you can't move. you like, what? You're stuck. You can't move. Sometimes you can't do anything by what you see. See, that means you can't move. Listen. Sometimes you can't do anything by what you see. See, September 1st, it wasn't anything I can do for what I saw. It's just, it will, when you are stopped like that, it's not your time. It's not your spot. It's not your assignment. And it's not your season right then. When you can't move. God has a next move and maybe you're in that one. But this one you're not. Because you can't move. You're not not in this one. God has a next move. And you you might be in it. But you're not in the one that have you stop and are stuck or just where you can't move. But when you can't move, you can't quit. Did you hear me? But when you can't move, you can't quit, and that's the problem. When most of the time, when people can't move, they quit or they leave. See, I'm st- I can't move. Did you hear me? They quit in that time. I can't move. They leave in that time. In the time that you can't move, you blame folk in that time. At the time you can't move, you get attitudes. Like, like Minister Haston said this morning, your parents try to give you instruction and everything. You got attitude because you can't move. In that time, you can't move, you talk about folk. In that time that you can't move, you gossip and spread strife. Not realizing that you can't move, listen, if God doesn't move. You can't move if God doesn't move. So most people get frustrated because God won't move, so they start moving. And all those things. Because I am now can't move. I'm stuck. It seems like everything's against me. Nobody's for me. I'm now I can't move. But you can't move if God doesn't move. And if you move without Him, just know that you're in it all by yourself. Because God didn't move. And at a time that you can't move, God is not saying be lazy. God is not saying be complacent. God is not saying be divisive, manipulative, none of those things. What He is saying in the time that you can't move, He said, get ready. Something is coming. The next is coming. He Don't just sit there. Just don't do it. Don't start getting into your manipulating part. Don't get into all of this stuff. He said, get ready. Because what? I'm going to give you a window. When you can't move. But you can always prepare. <laughs> oh, well, Pastor, you're going to have to show me that in the Bible. Okay, are you in Joshua chapter 1? Listen, Joshua was Moses' servant. Joshua started working with Moses in his early 20s. Moses was the man. And any movement that was going on, it had to ha- that was going to happen in Israel, it was going to happen through Moses. Go back and read it. Moses led the people of Israel out of Egypt over the Red Sea. Into the wilderness. And it came to a point because of unrighteousness of the people that they could not move anymore. They couldn't move anymore. I said they couldn't move. Because of unrighteousness, they couldn't move anymore. But Moses was still the man. He was still the man. And Joshua was still his servant. Listen up. And for 40 years, Joshua woke up every morning and saw a promise that he had no ability to go into. Remember, Joshua was one of the ones that went over and saw the promise. He saw the milk and honey. He saw the big pomegranate that you had to carry on your shoulder. He saw all of that. He had to wake up 40 years every day and thought about, I know where the promise is. I've seen the promise, but could not move. Why? Because the only, because the people could only move if Moses moved them. And God had restricted Moses from moving the people. So Joshua, he sits 365 days a year for 40 years. Being a young man, going all the way to being a senior man. Looking at the promise. Knowing that it was the will of God. Remember they said, let's go over at once. Knowing it was the will of God. Having gone over and tasted the milk and honey. Saw what it was. Knew how to get the people there. He knew how to get straight to the promised land. They went there. (laughs) But he realized. I See he's smart. He realized I can't move. Because God haven't moved. Now most men that would be helping another man and it's been for well I don't, I got wisdom now too. I'ma break off and do my own thing. I'ma see how many of the people gonna go with me. He understood one thing. I can't move if God doesn't move. Ooh, people don't get that. But one thing he didn't do, he didn't get lazy. <laughs> He didn't lay around. He wasn't trifling. He didn't cause division. He didn't say it's their fault, it's Moses' fault, that we're not where we need to be. It's your fault, Moses, we can't go over. He didn't do that. Joshua buckled himself down for 40 years and worked on a plan. (laughs) And worked on a plan. He walked on a plan. Why? Because he understood. He understood. He understood this. I'm only frozen like this for a moment. One day my heavenly father is coming and he's going to tell me that we can move. He understood it. He was being taught by Moses. He was under Moses. He was his servant. And he was thinking, when my heavenly father says, time to move, I have to have a plan in place. I have to have a plan in place to take the people. Now, verse 1 of chapter 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the the wilderness of this Lebanon, even the great rivers, the rivers Euphrates. All the land of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Therefore shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. And as for, as, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Look at verse 10. Let, no, let's look at verse 9. I have not, have not, have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, and neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Verse 10, then Joshua commanded the people and the officers of the people. Then he committed, meaning God stopped talking. Uh, when, when God stopped talking, Joshua Josh would start doing. When God told him all he had to do, Joshua would start doing. But look what he did. What he was doing, God didn't, notice, God didn't tell him to command the officers. He did that. God told him to be strong. He didn't say, now go and command the officer and the people. No, he said, be strong and of good courage. Listen, you don't see anywhere God, where Joshua called a meeting. There was no time where we can see where he went into intercession. Well, Joshua went on the back hill of the mountain and started praying and interceding. You know, see him saying, "Well, let me let me go and see God's face and for clarity." For forty years, he had been working, waiting for the time to move. I'm trying to teach you something. See, this is the problem with preachers. Preachers are waiting on papers. (laughs) I said, people, preachers are waiting on papers instead of preparation. So when you get papers, you still can't do nothing. Because you're waiting on the wrong, no preparation, just waiting on papers. I like verse 10. And then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, I like, and I like, verse passing through the host and commanded the people, saying, prepare ye the for within three days, we shall pass over this Jordan. In other words, everything that we talked about getting together, now is the time. Now is the time. Listen, you do not move over a million people in three days unless you have a plan. No way. You don't just get up. He didn't say three weeks. He didn't say three months. He didn't say in three years. He said three days. <laughs> you don't do that without advanced planning. So when God said move, he just picked up the plan and did what God said. Just pick it up and do what God says. And when we get into this thing next week, I'm going to tell you, you, you you see, Joshua prepared Keep the people, places, resources. Everything was already lined up. This man was too cold. He was on point. See, sometimes... Ministers, and some of you out there, not the ministers at this church because they're well taught. But sometimes you get frustrated because you think you're stuck. No, you're in exactly the right place this morning. You're in exactly the right place. But you won't prepare yourself. There's another time for you to move. This is not moving time. (laughs) This is prep time. (laughs) You've got to take that time seriously. Church, if we're going to be ready through advanced planning, we have to value the place of preparation. You have to value the place of preparation. <laughs> unprepared people are unstable people. When you are unstable, you are also unprepared. Unprepared people are unstable people. When you're unstable, you're also unprepared. You must value the place of preparation. In other words, Joshua understood, Yes, I'm going to lead the people. I'm going to be prepared under Moses. I'm not going to move from my place of preparation. Now here's the thing about preparation. It requires a location. (laughs) Preparation, it requires a location. You know, if you're going to go to school... Preparation requires a location. I saw online where um, Raya Martin and her brother put up their deal with. They're going to school. See, that's a location. (laughs) So I hope they're prepared because preparation requires a location. Now you got a location to go. Preparation requires a location. Now here's why we don't value. Uh, please get this. Here's why you don't value a place of preparation. Because it's authority in that place. Ooh, that's why people don't value it. Now you know we, you know, uh, church people in authority have an issue. The reason why you don't value your place of preparation. Is because it's authority in that place. We think authority is trying to run our lives. We think authority is keeping us down. No, what authority is doing is holding it down. That's what authority is doing. It's holding things down until your season. Holding it down until your season. Somebody ought to write that down. (laughs) Authority is not keeping you down. Authority is holding things down until your season. Because if you, let me tell you, if authority don't hold it down and it's not your season, you can't handle it. You only think you can. You can't handle it. Now, I'm going to teach these things next week, but write this down. You have to value your time of preparation. Not just value the place of preparation, you have to value the time of preparation. In other words, you have to have the time of preparation to see some things, to know some things, to learn some things, to grow in some things. Use that time. Why do you think pastor had a ministry class? All of that was preparation. I even remember different people that he wanted in there, but they were all caught up in themselves, never got into class. You're unprepared. Why do you think he had a ministerial class? You think that was just for fun and games? That was advanced planning. <laughs> and people thought it was fun and games. Can I get in that class? Can I do? Like it was fun and games and stuff. And Pastor Hill took that class very seriously. Why? Because he had a plan. He told me of plans. Advanced planning. All of that was for the future of this church. While you were playing around and forfeit your whole calling and forfeit anything God wanted you to do pertaining to that. Because that was a part of the assignment. See, you might not have seen it there. You might have been tired when you came into it. And you might want it to be, but you pressed in because God had a plan. And he, in fact, certain ones he would let in because of the plan. What, what do you think that Joshua learned from 24 to 64? Wow. See, he, he, was, he, he was murdered. Moses served serving in his 20s. Moses was about, Joshua was about 64 when Moses left. He was, he was a senior. What type of wisdom and stature this man must have had? That this senior man had now. That he couldn't have had in his 20's. He could not have had it. He couldn't have took 3 million people over in his 20's. But he sat up under Moses. And learned. And stayed there. No matter what. Even though he had went into the land. Where milk and honey was. The promised land. He stayed where he needed to be. And the promotion came. What wisdom this man has. That's how, that's how you are able to move three million in three days. So you have to learn to value the place of preparation. You have to value the time of preparation. Listen, last but not least, you must value the preparation of people. Value the preparation of people. No plan, the plan that God has given me, no plan ever. Can be executed without preparation of other people. God has never given anyone an assignment that does not require help. Help is, ne- and listen, help is never ready, help is re- made ready. Did you hear me? God will never give an assignment, never give an assignment that does not require help. And help is is never ready help is made ready help is never ready and see that's the problems we are frustrated because we don't have any help oh I don't have any help you have help that's your job that's why this church can keep going on because Pastor Hill did his job well he made sure he ministered to the help Mm, my son can't help me like your son helped you. That's your fault. That's your fault. Have you put together a plan? Have you put together a plan yet? To get your help ready? Or are you just gonna keep cussing about your health? Oh, you always ah. Oh. there has to be a plan you got to have a plan. A plan cannot be executed without help. Simply put, it cannot. And help requires people, and people have to be prepared. You have to prepare people for what God has given you. You have to. Listen, when pastor transitioned, all of the ministers were in place. I didn't have to worry about a thing. All of them, every one of them were in place and prepared for such a time. What would have happened to me as pastor now, if I found him pastor, had not prepared them in the time that he did? What would have happened? Because they were on point. These ministers, our deacons, they're all holding up my hands now. They're holding up my hands. They're keeping the church moving. And many of the, many others in this ministry are keepers of our ministry. Our de- I'm telling you, we have the most awesome deacons. Most of our deacons, they can, they can stand up with any preacher and I'll preach them. I'll teach them because they have understanding. They're keepers of this ministry. Listen, and 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 please don't 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 get it twisted about me being a female. Don't get yourself caught and don't don't get your, your your panties in a bunch. And I call them panties whether you're male or female because if you think like that as a male, you wear panties. So don't get them all scrunched up about something about a female, somebody with a womb, because that's nothing. Don't not don't reject this message because it came from a female, because it didn't. It came from the father. If that'll help you, but don't think that you can come in here and do any in any thing that you want to because I'm a female. First of all, I'm surrounded by godly men at all times. My sons and every minister, every deacon, every male in this church. And that was one of the concerns of our pastor. He said, I think people are coming in and trying to take advantage of You've got to be kidding me. You know me better than that. He said, yeah, but I need to prepare people around you. If I'm not here, I need them to be around you. What if God hadn't, hadn't what if pastor hadn't prepared? Because all of them are prepared. Anything. If I, if I went out of town today, I would not have to where this ministry would continue to go. They know what to do. They know what to teach. They know how to teach. Listen, you can't look at me, listen to me, Church of the Living Water, and get excited about me. And if anything, the teaching that I'm teaching, it should heighten your sensitivity to the work of preparation. Not me. Because the church should never, ever be dependent on me. That's why some of you can't go on. You were dependent on pastor. And he never wanted you to be that. And you you should never be dependent on me. Never. There's a different call on my life. It's already planned out. But without the advanced planning of our founding pastor, where would we be? Listen, we need to make this our calling. Every one of us. Those of you that belong to church of living water. We need to make this our calling to make sure. This is the calling. To make sure that we never ever get in a position where a phone call determines our faith. Never. Where a phone call determines our faith. No. Never. That's all of us. Need to wrap our heads around that. We're never going to be in that position. Where it determines our faith. I'm not so important that I don't understand that. I understand that if, if, if I am too important. That this whole thing will fall apart. and and pastor didn't let it happen to him and I won't let it happen to me we don't have you know listen 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 church we don't have forever to address this situation you better take it seriously see you may not can see it but I see it I see it it's clear to me you probably can't say I see it. We got to get ready, church, for the next move of God. And as much as you might like hearing me, if you do, if, if you you know, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But if you don't, and you stop somebody else to get it, it's fine. No, no matter much, as much as you love Church of the Living Water, we are not prepared. That's why we're in a period of preparation. We are being prepared. We are in a time of preparation. So we got to get ready. One of us, all of us, that's how it works. One by one, all of us, individually as well as collectively. We have to get, let let me tell you, each one of us have to get it together. We have to follow what God is telling us to do. Then we got to go get our help. We got to go get our help and I'm telling you God has already been laying it out we've, we, we've already we started some things but this pan, this pandemic slowed it down but that's all it did all it did was slow it down but it's going to come to pass we have to go get our help listen to me I close with this we got to go get the help that may not look useful it may not look useful now But they are essential. Did you hear me? The help that God is telling us to go after. They may not seem useful now. But they are essential. Because listen. At the beginning of this ministry. There's a bunch of people that didn't look useful. But look at you now. (laughs) Look at you now. Because why? A man prepares them. And let me tell you. We will do our founding pastor a dishonor. If we don't build on the foundation that he laid. We would do him a dishonor. If we don't put everything in. To building on that foundation. So that when we meet him again in heaven. We can say the foundation was sure. Solid. And we built and our grandchildren, our great-great-grandchildren are still building on it and establishing it forever. See, I know we don't we don't want to think like that, but you've got to, that's, that's called advanced planning. That's called advanced planning. But we got to value people in the preparation process. Value them. And we're going to get into all of those things. That's when we're going to watch Joshua break. We're going to see what Joshua did. We're going to see what 40 years of staying up under authority and listening to God what it got Joshua and what kind of victory he got. How he planned way ahead of time. See can't we do it. He'll be with us. Because he's telling us today Pastor Forrest P. Hill Jr. my servant is dead. Now rise and build, because he is alive with me, but he's not there with you, but now be strong, be of good courage, because as I was with him, so will I be with you. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.